Thank you everybody for joining us for another, another live session Q&A with Alexander. Tonight, I first want to start out by giving my older sister a birthday shout out. It is her 40th birthday today. So oh. Tina, happy birthday. Happy birthday. And of course, we will start out with a card from the Animal Spirit book. And today we got Eagle. And Eagle Energy is all-pervading power truth seeker and transforms karma. The noble eagle emanates the light of the sun. The great bird is both physically and spiritually strong and represents mastery over the elements of fire and air. When the eagle appears, you'll soon be thrown into karmic fire for the sake of your transformation. The eagle pushes us to be our best and brightest selves and stops at nothing to see us shine. Grasp the sun in your talons and hold on for the ride. You are stronger than you think, eagle child. When in balance, bright, radiant challenges, when out of balance, controlling. And Alexander, you offered some great uh, insight on our card last week. Do, is there anything you want to, or last Q&A, is there anything you want to add to this one? Well, really just, um, you know, anytime that the, uh, the bird family comes in, I like to suggest to, for everyone to pull back and take a wider view of everything that you're approaching. And many times that breath, just taking that breath and being willing to take a couple of steps back can give you a whole different perception of the situation or the person. Um, so that's one of my favorite things about the, the bird energy when it comes in is, is remember to pull back and get a, a wider view than how you're initially given the information or the situation. <laughs> I have some cats uh, making some noise for the Q&A. So uh, shout out to Sparta out there. Having fun. Uh, so let's start out with, with a question from our, or having to do with our most recent episode on vulnerability. Why do most of us and society struggle with being vulnerable, even with the people we love, which are, you know, usually our family and the people we're in romantic relationships with? Yeah, and I think that uh, the vulnerability is such an interesting topic, especially in this time right now, um, because everybody's feeling so charged and almost a, a defensive and, and attacked almost. I mean, so we've gone from, you know, the touch, such a, a lack of touch um, and so much judgment that I've really seen as a whole, most people getting less and less vulnerable. And so I, th I feel like that was why, the timing of this episode was very useful and I'm looking very forward to hearing people's uh, feedback because we need to remember to stay vulnerable or we just start to get hard. And many people don't realize it, that you just go into protection and then you just get over time, you get harder and harder. And those are, those are the walls that we put up uh, to keep ourselves protected. And of course that uh, keeps intimacy from from really growing and and that's such a shame because in our relationships that intimacy is the true beauty one of the most beautiful things as a human to experience uh, so so i'm looking forward to getting into this and seeing what some of our listeners um, what their feedback is around the subject of vulnerability so usually throughout the q a we ask questions for the audience and 
go ahead and comment your answers below and we'll share them live on the air. So our first question to you guys is, where would you say, well, this is actually the question that Alexander asked me to begin um, our podcast episode that we're actually referring to, which is where would you say that you would like to be more vulnerable? And you guys again can just comment that and we'll share it. Alexander, I'll ask you that question. Where would you, because <laughs> I answered you, but I don't think you, you ever gave your, your answer. So where would you say you would like to be more vulnerable? Um, well, that's something that I've intentionally been working on very intensely for the last um, 12 to 13 years and um, going through my healing trauma changed the way that I approached vulnerability. And I saw that I did want to live my life vulnerable and rather than protective. But what that means is that from time to time, we're going to get injured. We're going to get surprised by someone. And that's part of practicing mindfulness, to be centered and present every day so that you don't get knocked off so easily. And the person that's able to stay centered and present has the ability to stay more vulnerable. So I'd say the area that I would like to continue to develop that in is just um, where the world's involved, uh, just being an open book and an example of that vulnerability to show that, that we're not promoting through this work any type of perfection. We're not, we're not striving for that level of perfection. We are, this is all about chopping wood, carrying water, doing a little bit better every day and gradual changes over long periods of time, you know, results into lasting results. So, so that's very important to practice the vulnerability. And, you know, as we launched this podcast uh, a little over two years ago, that was my, one of my biggest steps of vulnerability was finally taking my work of over 25 years and putting it out there to the world. And, um, and once again, inviting more and more people to be that example of vulnerability that we're not here to strive for perfection. We're not here to hide from the things or the situations that we have been through in the past, but to share them in ways of how we overcome them. And so, you know, in one of the great teachings of Jesus of judge not, you know, it was a very simple, simple teaching. And part of learning to not judge as much is being willing to be vulnerable and put yourself in that position to be judged because the more you get judged and the more you deal with that many times, the less judging you will actually do uh, if you work through that resistance of being judged. So, so, you know, invite those situations in because they, they help you to show you where you're strong, where you are weak, and it gives a chance to work on those weaknesses rather than just run from them. And so Kristen in the audience has shared that she wants to be more vulnerable in the conversations she has with other people to be more open, honest, and compassionate instead of avoiding confrontation. And a tool that I would like to suggest working with that, and thank you, Kristen, for, for speaking up, um, is to lead with a possibility of a few words can help buffer that to just to be willing to say, in my experience up to this point, many times when we give our, when we give our opinions, we're so, we can be overly authoritative, whether we mean it or not. And we can be very 
stern in what our truth is. And we want to be as, as evolving beings and, and those that want to grow and change and break habits. We want to realize that our truth in this moment may not be our truth six months or a year down the road. And so many truths are stepping stones for people. And I think that helps to see too, rather than so much right and wrong and black and white, that there are many things that we experience that was intended to just be these stepping stones. And when we keep judgment out of it, we're able to help one another more. So I think that's a big part of vulnerability is seeing, you know, that when we can see somebody that's maybe at a stage that we were in the past, we can want to help sometimes too much. And sometimes relating is a big part of vulnerability and to to be able to relate rather than giving information of what that person should change or do from your experience just remember what it was like to be at that stage and this is getting into kind of you know working towards holding space for people to be vulnerable and this becomes a beautiful beautiful dance um so uh so as we go deeper and deeper into the subject i think we're going to give people a lot of tools um, to work with moving forward with the subject. Again, we are discussing a question posed to everybody out there listening uh, and you can leave your comment or leave your answer in the comment section. Where would you say you would like to be more vulnerable in your life? And of course I shared mine, which was in my relationship with Alexander. I would like to work on my vulnerability and I would say that I've taken steps, you know, even since this podcast or the most previous one was recorded. But I would also say that I, um, I struggle with, with how people, how I feel like people view me. And that's been a, a struggle ongoing throughout my life. And like when I would go to Alexander Sound Journeys, I would have like a lot of itching and tingling on my face, which Alexander attributed to just, you know, being, um, being the feeling of being judged. And a lot of that is, you know, self-judgment. I mean, I have, I know I have an issue with self-judgment. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big thing for most everyone. It certainly was for me as well. And seeing that um, sometimes when we give an opportunity to, to be judged, showing that vulnerability. And I will say that Aaron has done a great job. He's really amped it up over the last couple of months, but you've been working on this vulnerability for quite a while, but you have really amped it up over the last couple of months. And, and I have noticed, and that, that questioning oneself, that's why not promoting ourselves is looking to be perfect, but a work in progress. And if somebody points out something that is less than optimal, then rather than getting defensive or afraid of being judged, we can simply say, yes, thank you so much for pointing that out. I'm currently working on that issue in this way. Or I've been much, uh, I've come a long way with that. And in the past, you know, I struggled in these other ways to help show some, some growth. But many times once we feel judged, we just shut down. And this is part of standing in our power and doing what I call sticking your stake in the ground of who you are and what you're about and what you're looking to exemplify. And when that's the case, when we're really looking deeply to uncover that ourselves, 
then we're able to use these people that judge us for to kind of gauge where we're at. So, so I really want to, you know, ask people out there that's working on this vulnerability to be willing to take those judgments, but, but take time to sit in meditation or in stillness or in contemplation to really consider those three things, who you really are, what you're really about, and what you're looking to exemplify. And part of that exemplification is owning failures from the past to be the example of, oh, thank you so much for calling me out on that. Yes, I'm currently working on that. I've come a long way, but I do still have a little bit more work to do on that. See, when you take, once again, when you take the friction away from someone, the energy dissipates very quickly. So this is the point of it's okay to be embarrassed, to be caught off guard, to feel um, an emotion around that uh, being called out, so to say. But like I said, if you're centered, if you're practicing to stay centered, to stay present, then we can use these people really as gauges of where we're at in our work. And also remember that the majority of the time when somebody is projecting something towards you, they carry that within themselves. So many times people are talking about themselves, but using you um, as like their example, so to say. So it's a great practice in just not getting defensive and being vulnerable and practicing vulnerability is, is just that, that sometimes we have to take a couple of blows because people will test us. They will test that vulnerability. And when we are able to show that strength that, no, I'm clear in who I am and what I'm doing and what I exemplify, but thank you for pointing that out. So you take the fire away from them. You take the gasoline away from the fire. And this is how we move through these awkward situations. And like anything as humans, the more we practice it, the, the faster we're able to activate it and the longer we're able to sustain it. So vulnerability is something that actually needs to be practiced. And just a reminder to everybody out there, if you have any questions on any topic, feel free to leave them in the comments and we will ask them live to Alexander. So it doesn't have to be on vulnerability, but um, the more questions we have, the more you guys steer the conversation. But I, of course, I have notes and questions uh, based on the last episode that I ask in the absence of those. So feel free to ask. Don't, you know, you don't have to wait. Um, so in the last episode, I asked, uh, what do we gain from being vulnerable as humans? But I wanted to ask the reverse question. What do we lose by not being vulnerable? Well, we lose deeper connections. Um, and, you know, possibly one of the most important things to experience during this lifetime is that, that connection. We are on the physical plane here and we do have the ability to connect on all five of those levels that we speak of um, almost every episode, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious. And so, you know, sometimes people will be vulnerable in just one area. And again, I'll ask everybody to look at those five different levels and look at vulnerability in each of those five different levels. If you don't, if you're not practicing vulnerability on each of those five levels, you know, truly ask yourself, why do you feel like you haven't been able to create a safe enough environment to do that? And so, so sometimes when vulnerability is spoken of, you know, people 
might have an isolated way of viewing it, but truly look at that, you know, how are you being vulnerable, physical, mental, emotionally, you know, spiritually and energetically. And some people are too vulnerable in some of those spaces, like empaths and people that are extremely sensitive to other people's energies. They wear their vulnerability on their sleeve energetically, so to say, but, you know, emotionally they may not be vulnerable at all. So this is what, once again, we help people to break down in my private practice, uh, learning their, their cards, their destiny cards or their, their numerology makeup and the human design system helps to see clearly the areas or the energy centers that you are energetically vulnerable in. And that helps empaths a lot. So, so see, there's, there's both people that are concerned or resistant to being vulnerable. And then there are some people out here that are energetically or emotionally or even mentally vulnerable, and they may or may not know it, such as myself. I have in the human design system, I have the crown, the mind, and the throat all white or non-activated. And anytime that it's white in your chart of the human design, it means that you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to manipulation. You're vulnerable to um, input, to opinions and that type of thing. And so many people are being manipulated through their vulnerability energetically and not even aware of it. And so it, it means a lot to help people to, to understand that and to take uh, steps toward you know, working on closing up that energy field so that maybe they can be more vulnerable in another area. Because see, if we feel attacked in any one of those areas, most of the time we will go into protection in all of those areas, all five of those areas. All right, question from Tony. How does technology, screen time especially, impact our ability to do all the things that we're talking about? And I think maybe we answer this in a general way um how does like screen time or our immersion into technology affect like the five levels and our ability to do this energetic work well yeah they it affects it you know pretty drastically um because we're such energetic beings that it's really created a lot of isolation so see when we when we isolate in one area one of those five areas similar to the senses. If you close your eyes and you maybe practice a day or a few hours with your eyes closed, you will notice that your other senses will become more powerful and your sense of smell or your sense of taste. And the, these five levels are very similar. So, so see, we've gotten to where we can, we're not as energetically vulnerable maybe or physically vulnerable, but mentally it has very, it's been a surge in mental vulnerability. And so that's important to see through the screen time and the social distancing that the, the mental part has been exaggerated greatly and the physical vulnerability, the, the emotional, the energetic, and possibly even the spiritual has suffered because of that. So this is why even as times change and things get forced on us, that's where structure and discipline is very important to still regulate certain things because just because there's a limit and it kind of forces us to go in this one direction, that's what these um, 
government powers or society powers, that's what they are hoping for. So just because they make something more available or more accessible does not mean that we need to spend more time in that area. It could actually be the exact opposite, that what is being taken away, we actually need to spend more time and energy putting toward those areas so that we can bring that balance back in. But yes, the screen time has really created the imbalance in the, in the mental level uh, pretty drastically, which you know, activates those emotions and the emotions drain the energetic field. And then eventually the physical body uh, creates some kind of illness or injury uh, due to that weakness of the energetic field. So, so the screen time does really affect that. And I would like to ask people to, to really look at regulating that one way or another. All right. We got a video question from Claire. Hi, thanks. So I really enjoy the podcast. I had a question and this may seem really basic, but I guess I've experienced and I've done this to other people too, a lot of just emotional dumping that I guess some people would say is vulnerability, but it doesn't feel good. So I guess just I'm asking what is your definition of appropriate vulnerability? And then the second part of that is kind of what are the boundaries that you would put around that? Great question. Thank you, Claire, uh, for coming on. And with that, that level of vulnerability, um, and yes, emotional dumping, which can be also titled emotional reaction, is not the same as vulnerability because that is done with, uh, with an aggression normally or with an intensity. And vulnerability is kind of the opposite of that. And so this is what happens with some people is their emotional reactions is a sign of the yearning to be vulnerable. And I want to say that again, emotional reactions many time is an example of the yearning to want to be vulnerable, but we weren't taught how by our family, by our culture. And so it becomes a reactive way to show this vulnerability. And many times we take it out extreme on the people that are closest to us. And so I would like to, you know, give everyone a hug out there that, that does have that, um, that emotional reaction to realize that you have a deep level of actual vulnerability there, but we need to take steps in how to redirect that. And I'm going to bring the three R's in here to recognize it, to show it respect, and then to redirect it. So I think the, the second part of that question was like kind of how I define vulnerability. And vulnerability in one definition is sharing something to where you aren't looking or you're not affected by the input of the other person. Now, many times what we will do is we will practice vulnerability, but when we do that, we are we still carry an extra sensitivity of fear of that judgment so in practicing vulnerability it helps to share things that you feel very solid in and and this is like uh being responsible and this comes into you know the fourth pillar of the work emotional uh, accountability and responsibility and so when we're first starting to practice vulnerability 
to share things like in a way to where you might say something like, you know, I used to look at this in this way to where when people did this to me, I felt like they were wrong and I used to argue with them. And now I see that everybody has the right to their own opinions and that just because I have an opinion doesn't mean that that's truth for someone else. See, that's a practice in vulnerability to where you're, you're sharing a weakness, but at the same time, you're sharing how you're working on it. Therefore, that person doesn't have as much to attack. What happens many times is people will try to be vulnerable and they will just maybe say how they look at it at that moment. But if you're talking to someone that you've been around for, say, 10 or 12 years, See, they can go, no, you don't. You don't look at it and practice it that way. I've seen you do this over and over and over. And then that can turn into a debate, an argument. And then the person can go, why do I even attempt to be vulnerable with you? And then that's shutting down once again. So in the beginning, the practice of vulnerability is practice sharing that that you feel very confident about and be prepared for people to judge, to question, to even so-called attack. So, so this isn't carrying an expectation of that attack. It's just it's carrying a being prepared. And just because you're prepared does not mean that you're creating it in your life. And I think that that's a, that's a big practice and, and a good place to practice. And I did want to ask, you know, Claire, if that answered her question or if she had any follow-ups as well um, to, to please let me know. Well, I just want yeah, to say, I, oh, sorry, Claire. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I guess, what do you do then if you're really, really trying to push yourself to be more vulnerable? I guess just maybe practice with people that you feel the most comfortable with. The safest. Yes, yes, I think that's a, a big thing to suggest is start where it's safest first. And, and even in those safest places, give people a little bit of leeway because we don't have practice at this vulnerability stuff in our culture. So that's why, you know, practice, you know, stick your toe in and test it just a little bit and come back out. Another important thing that we discussed on the podcast is only giving the level of vulnerability that the other person can match in the conversation. And I think that's a very, very big key is that you give a little bit, see if the other person matches it. If they don't, then maybe you don't want to go any deeper into that vulnerability. And many times those of us, especially if you're emotional, you can just spill so much vulnerability at once that the person doesn't even have a chance to, to absorb it. And that's why emotional dumping is very different from true vulnerability. And you know, I like, uh, I've done all of these tests with many, many people, and now I really enjoy being that example to show even a stranger. I will share something that I can see that makes them even possibly a little uncomfortable, but I can see them at, at the same time relax that, wow, okay, if he was that vulnerable, then I can be like way down here and be, and be safe. So that gets into kind of how we hold space for other people uh, and we may expand on that a little bit uh, further in the in the podcast here, but but I know that you know these are beautiful questions, Claire, and I really appreciate you asking them. 
And that's why I do want to make sure that I answer them as best as, as I can, because you're helping so many people by asking this questions, these questions. So what were you going to say? I think Claire is done. Uh, Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you so much, Claire. Uh, Oh, your, your initial point about um, the emotional reactions being (laughs) like, like a cry out, like somebody wants to be vulnerable, but they just don't know how, or they're scared. Like, and so they just emote and react. Uh, That I think was such a great point because we just, we just don't identify that. Even I never really identified that. I mean, I kind of like can sense it, but until you said it just now, you know, it wasn't a, you know, a ding, ding, ding moment. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, that's part of the beauty of us sharing this, whether it's on the podcast or whether it's on these Q and A's is that, that a lot of this stuff many times is things that we, it's not um, rocket science or, or huge epiphanies, but it's things that we forget to practice that. And that's why we need each other, not to, not to call each other out, but just to have these conversations to help remind us of how we do want to approach things in our lives, how we do want to stay present and centered and, and clear in who we are and what we're about and what we're looking to exemplify and see the, it's easier to be vulnerable when you're clear on those three things. And if you're not, then work at it a little bit every day to to truly you know that that question of like who am i and what am i looking to exemplify and and this is not going as as deep as like the spiritual practice of like who am i and that there's really no i and going into that deep of the information this is a little bit more on the mental level of just checking in of like when when i ask myself who am i that is how do my words and my actions affect other people? Because who I am is a reflection of what people perceive. And that doesn't mean that I have to take that, that that is my truth of who I am, but it is worth me considering that because maybe I can change a word. Maybe I can shift an action to completely change another person's perception. And that doesn't change who I am because who I am is I'm interested in communicating with other humans. I'm not interested in having a certain set amount of words that I use and however people take them, they just take them. I'm more interested in communication and I don't really care as much about the words. So, so that's why no, no matter what I do, if somebody takes it offensively, I know in my heart that there's 100% chance that something's been misconstrued and that if I'm given a chance to answer that question or to clear, clear up my intention, I feel very confident that that can be resolved, but the person has to be willing to ask the question and I have to accept that everyone's not going to ask the question. So just because they perceive me that way, that does not mean that's who I am. It's just part of the world's perception of who I am. And I'm willing to chop wood and carry water every day to continue to hone that perception of, of what I'm about, what I'm exemplifying. And once again, I'm not looking to be anyone's guru. I'm not looking to be anyone's teacher. I'm not looking to be anything for anybody. I just want to share information that comes from the divine in a way to help communication, to help intimate relationships, and to help overall wellness 
to help people to understand these pains, these unexplained pains that we carry, uh, these emotions that come in and how to process them. So see, that's, that's why I'm willing to walk this path of vulnerability because I want people to feel safe and have examples of that. And of course that vulnerability has cost me a lot of discomfort through my, through my tenure. And that's why respect um, is, is given for me for anybody that truly perseveres. And I love, like I said, watching documentaries. Um, I've shared that in the past and it's, it's, about the perseverance when i hear stories about people and what they persevered through in their lives and that's a lot of my private uh, consultation uh, it gives me inspiration and i think that that's why we need more vulnerability is that we need to hear our stories that everyone's carrying through your life and many people hide those now i'm not saying that we should use them as an excuse but we can share our stories of what we've overcome and we never have an idea typically about how that could inspire somebody and change their life. So part of the vulnerability is sharing times where we have maybe failed, sharing times to where we have been in lack consciousness, sharing those times, but also sharing the 360 degree view, sharing how I come out of that. Now where I'm at and what I learned from that, that's the vulnerability that I really want people to get to is share your story, not from a victim uh, standpoint, but from a, a overcoming and a possible inspiration and also to remind ourselves of where we've came. I work with clients from time to time that they will come in and they'll be dealing with something fairly minute in their everyday life. And I'll just remind them of something that we have worked on from their past. And when, when I bring that in and I say, do you remember overcoming this situation in your life? And when they go back to revisit that, it changes their perception of the situation at hand very drastically. Because we can forget our own stories, people. We can forget what we've overcome. And that needs to be remembered. It needs to be discussed that perseverance because that is inspiring for almost everyone all right um i had uh a friend in in discussing this episode on vulnerability they mentioned that in the past that they weren't vulnerable with their partner because they felt like being vulnerable would place a burden on them mm. well that's a that's a big that's a big one. And, you know, so with that, I would like to, you know, suggest for anyone that's experiencing this, that, that there, there could be some legitimacy to the, that situation, or it could be something that we are creating as a defense mechanism, a reason not to. And I would say that normally that's really what's happening in this situation. But for example, right now, I happen to have a family member that's going through a death of his wife. And so right now is not the time for me to necessarily put him in any kind of uncomfortable situation. But at the same time, as he releases vulnerability to kind of match his vulnerability. See, if we let somebody just be vulnerable, vulnerable by themselves, they can start to close down again. And so in this situation, 
you know, I would like to suggest that if you do feel like it's being a burden, please for you to share your vulnerability, please check in and make sure that that's not your own issues and truly a fear of sharing vulnerability. And if it is an actual situation to where this person is going through something to where they can't receive that vulnerability or they just won't, then, you know, consider how you're sharing that vulnerability or why at that particular time. Now, you know, hopefully there's not just one person that this person can be vulnerable with. And, and, but I think the majority of the time when people feel that they're going to be a burden to be vulnerable with somebody that it may be worth just really looking internal and seeing if that isn't a justification or it isn't something, a protective mechanism, because remember we teach through example. So if we want to help somebody learn to be vulnerable, if they're full of emotional stuff or full of traumas that they need to discuss or get out, then to, to kind of push through that and, and, realize that you're being an example. And once again, you could be an inspiration and maybe just share just a little bit of vulnerability, you know, and space it out rather than having a full blown conversation. Um, because even though this person feels that they would be a burden, uh, many people want that. They want to see that vulnerability. And so, so like we'll keep, truth or we'll keep uh, something from a parent or loved one and we'll justify it by saying, well, it may not be good for them or, you know, blah, 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 whatever the reason is. And, and, you know, my saying of good intentions are the death of a wise one. That's what we want to bring in here that yes, you can have good intentions to save those people that you care about um, whether it's their time or their energy, but they may be yearning for that connection. So that's why I said start off with a little little dabble and maybe not a full-blown conversation and see if that doesn't open up some doors. Yeah, I think in this instance, they were talking about sharing their fears with their significant other. And, you know, if, if that was me in this situation, I would say that I would want to hear them because whether you, they, they share them or not with you, they're going to come out eventually in some way. Right. So it's better to, I mean, of course I want that type of connection, but it's better to hear them because they may be so insignificant or easy to tackle that that opportunity is never given if it's never said. Right. Well, another thing that I want to bring in here is another technique of the 360 degree view. If when you're starting to share that vulnerability and maybe it is something like, something you don't particularly like about this person or something and, but you don't want to hurt their feelings and you're being vulnerable about maybe how their actions is affecting, affecting you that that 360 degree view carries like a buffer. And for you to say something like, I'm not saying that it's a legitimate. I'm not saying that I am following down this road but if you could just understand that right now in this moment, I'm struggling with, with this situation and this is how I'm working with it every day to, to overcome it. So see, you're able to mention like potentially what the situation is. You're mentioning, you're already giving that you're not putting all of your truth in this basket around it because you realize that you're emotional and you're sharing with that person 
how you're potentially working with it. Like you could say, you know, this action or this verbiage reminds me of my father. And I know that you're not meaning to, to scare me, but when you say or do this, it brings up this trigger in me. And I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. I'm just sharing with you that this is what I'm working on. And see, when you, when you don't point out to the other person that they need to change something, many times they will electively want to shift. And that's the key. So you're not going into this complaining like a victim. You're being informative. You're being communicative. But you're not playing the role of a victim. And this gets into that fourth pillar of the emotional accountability and responsibility. And so I think that would be a great tool in this uh, scenario uh, that buffering, so to say. And of course, that episode on the 360 degree view is our next podcast episode coming out a week from today. Uh, but in it, we did not actually talk about that aspect of the 360 degree view. So it's good that Alexander mentioned it. Um, and I'm sure we'll mention it again, uh, probably in the next Q and a coming up. Um, it's, uh, 8:42. I guess we can take a quick break. If anybody has to use the bathroom or get a drink or a snack. Um, if Alexander doesn't need to rest, uh, maybe he'll play us a tune. If not, I can uh, run my throat chakra and keep talking to fill the time for the people who uh, are waiting around for the restart of this. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I am going to take a, a quick break to make an adjustment and I'll be right back. So if you don't mind sure. continuing, um, thank you. Sure. Uh, so we actually have a lot of changes coming up uh, within the Wise Wise podcast and the Just Philosophy. Um, but uh, there's a lot to share, a lot to come. But for what we want to share right now, this Q&A is going to go to a monthly schedule from now on for the immediate future. We may bring it back, but we're just taking on more and uh, we want to make sure that we have enough energy to do this on a, you know, bi-monthly, or I guess, I don't I think that's how you say it, two times a month basis every other week. Um, so we're going to pause and do this once a month. So we'll let you know when the next date is probably in a week or two for this. Um, uh, but the good thing is we are expanding and doing more different things and we want to include you guys out there. So we're actually going to start inviting people onto the podcast to share their story, to ask their questions. Uh, they can get as personal as they want. And so if that's something that interests you guys out there, please um, get a hold of Alexander or myself. Um, of course, you can just message me on Facebook if that's what you feel most comfortable, or you can uh, email me at Aaron at wise-wise.com. Uh, either way, um, but Facebook Messenger is probably the safest, I think, uh, as long as we're friends on Facebook. Sometimes they hide those messages in a place that you don't really know where to look and know where to find. Um, so I did want to mention that, yeah, the Q&A is going monthly for now, uh, and that there's an, an ability for you guys to become guests on the podcast. But of course, sharing the podcast, sharing this feed, when we do do the Q&A, we had such a great response and from our last Q&A two weeks ago, we saw our podcast downloads quadruple. 
for the following week. So I do appreciate everybody who shared the podcast, uh, you know, shared this Q and a, we did gain a lot of eyes and ears on the podcast. So again, I want to thank you um, from the bottom of our, our hearts, Alexander is back. So I guess I don't have to speak for his heart anymore. So you can <laughs> share your heart for my heart as well. Yes. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll start right up. We do have a few questions in, uh, but before I get to that question, I do want to ask our second question for you guys for this evening, which is, who do you feel you can be the most vulnerable with at this moment in your life and why? And again, you can leave that in the comments. We'll read them out loud. If you do just want to comment it and you don't want it shared, just mention that. Um, but I do read them out loud. I mean, I can read them without saying your name if that's also what you prefer. Um, but feel free to leave that in the comments. Okay, our next question is from April. Thank you, April. What if a person is telling others not to communicate with you due to their personal, or I'm not sure if she meant personal issues or personality issues, how do you react to that? Do you ignore it or do you address it? Well, there's a lot of variables in that. Um, you know, I happen to feel that all of our relationships are, you know, individual. And many times we will take sides. Now, when you get into, you know, supporting someone, um, like say there may be an extreme situation to where you don't agree with how someone is treating their mate and somebody tells you, Hey, don't speak to them because they're a bad person, that type of thing. Uh, it's very challenging not to get caught into dramas because we all have different energetic makeups and how we interact with each other. And just because someone is, not an optimal communicator or the way that they talk to someone isn't nice to one person doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way they're going to talk or communicate with you. And so there is something to loyalty, but at the same time, if there is anything to forgiveness, if there is anything to understanding that what goes on between two people, normally you have three different types of truths there's each individual has their truth and then there's the the so-called real truth of what went on that many times people don't get to observe so in these situations be very careful when someone says suggests you to not stay connected to somebody and at least ask them the reasoning if they just say they're a bad person or they're mean or they're they're you know something like that then that may be the case that they've experienced, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the case with you. And, and sometimes, you know, relationships just don't work out. Sometimes two people have major communication problems and, or they're, or they're a direct a makeup to play a certain kind of role for that person. So, so it's very challenging to just base your relationship off with another human off of what somebody else is suggesting and and so that that is something that i'm very leery of when somebody tells me oh don't 
don't have dealings with this person because of blah, 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 or don't have any dealings with this person because they're, they're this type of person. See, I don't want to base my life off of those assumptions. I can accept that maybe they were that person with someone, but I want to give them an opportunity to be something different. And if my friend can't understand that, then we need to have a discussion as well. And this comes down to, A, we don't have to be rude or ugly to anyone. If we are asked to not maybe socialize with them, we can still be kind. And that's the, that's the point I really want to get across here is that you can always be kind to people and just regulate your time around them. And sometimes people want to pull us into their dramas and say, no, I want you to treat this person the way that I'm treating them because they need to get the lesson, blah, blah, blah. And that's very rarely the case is that somebody else needs to play the same role that that person is playing with the person they have an issue with. Um, so, so I hope that that helps be very delicate with following other people's suggestions about how you should observe or view, um, view someone. Yeah. In the past, I would just tell that person, well, they haven't done it to me. So like, because I would treat people the way they've treated me, but I've tweaked that a little bit. I'll of course ask that person for their perspective and I'll kind of just like keep it in the back of my mind and then, you know, just observe that person to see if like, you know, cause they, they could be pointing out something that I'm unaware that this person is doing. And so yes. I'll just be aware of it, but I don't take any drastic, you know, uh, actions to, to, you know, get away from that person just because another person said so, but, you know, just use it as a perspective. And I think that that's a good point to just ask them their take on the person rather than going and telling them that they should look at this person a certain way. And if somebody's coming to, to me and they're telling me, Hey, treat this person or don't talk to this person because of blah, 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 blah. Once again, I want to honor like maybe their experience with them. And I don't necessarily need to say in that moment, whether I will or I won't or anything like that, but just maybe show appreciation for their concern and say, thank you so much for, for having my well being in your heart. And I really appreciate you giving me that information. Uh, but, but see, the more that we teach people that I'm going to make my own decision, I'm going to choose my own words. I'm going to choose my own actions. This is more of that putting your stake in the ground of who you are, what you're about and what you're exemplifying and to, and many times people are looking to create teams against others. And that, that's something that you may want to be leery with when people are looking to, once again, choose sides. And it's, it's challenging because especially with family, many times if there's a divorce or separation, there's sides chosen and almost everyone loses out in those scenarios. Okay. Uh, in response to who do you feel you can be most vulnerable with, with and why, Megan says, I have a beautiful friend that I have done my craniosacral courses with. We are both honest and vulnerable with each other and support each other with our growth. I feel so blessed and grateful for this friendship. Claire says, I feel like I can be most vulnerable with a friend I've had since high school. She's known me at my very worst and vice versa. And now we're both on, on a similar path of healing and consciousness. We've built trust. So when she challenges me with something, there's no defensiveness on my part. And of course, that's something that we kind of 
promote here is finding your tribe, finding the people that you can, you know, have that sort of relationship with where you can, you know, nicely call each other out if you're not seeing each other or ask that person, Hey, do you, as you say, uh, can you see anywhere where I'm fooling myself? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a great practice. And, you know, um, I do love the saying, uh, that connects with this work of love your family, but find your tribe and your tribe is who many times you can be most vulnerable with the ones that you, that has more of a similar view, uh, that you don't have to make as much as many explanations and you don't have to go through as many judgments, but still loving your family because that was, you know, where you come through and the experiences that you've had and see, we can love something and not like it very much. And I want people to look at that, that you can love something, but not necessarily want to spend or someone, but not necessarily want to spend a lot of time with them. And that's the way that I personally work within my family is that I spend the time around them to where I can stay in that loving vibration. And I work to manage that because I want them to know that I love them, even though we see things very, very different. And they've given me lots of judgment throughout my life. But at the same time, I want them to feel that that's okay because they're passionate from their views. And I appreciate that passion. And, but I don't need to change their views and they're certainly not going to change mine. So, so I'd like to, you know, request people out there to approach your family from that view to like really communicate with them the amount that you can stay in that loving vibration and if you see that like with certain people in my family is 15 to 30 minutes that i can be around them before i start to feel maybe some irritation or the verbiage that they're using just becomes more than i care to palate so i'll just remove myself from the conversation go to another room or limit my stay but not show need to show any aggression because once again, it's your example over time that will invite them in to truly ask earnestly your take on things. But sometimes we need to take our opinion, opinions away with my, with my family. I took my opinion away for seven years. I wouldn't even give it if it was requested because I knew that my view was going to be very different from theirs. So I have some family members that would see invite me in, but I knew that they were really looking to just create a debate. And so I wouldn't even participate. And this is once again, another practice in vulnerability is you're able to be more vulnerable when you're able to manage, not control, but manage your surroundings. And what that means is that you're able to get in and out. You're able to remove yourself from the situation if it's uncomfortable. You're able to make an adjustment before you get emotionally reactive. And I think that's very important in the subject with vulnerability is that you always have a way to remove yourself if it get, does get uncomfortable. And remove yourself when you very first feel the very first inkling of uncomfortable, not when it becomes obvious like externally. And that's another key is learning to know yourself well enough to go, oh, what they just said kind of hit a nerve. And so I need to start working on backing out before they say 10 more things that really escalate the situation. So vulnerability and managing your environment uh, really do come hand in hand 
but again, is a difference between controlling and managing. See, managing, you're just managing your energy field and your environment. You're not instructing anybody else about what they should or shouldn't do. And see, if you leave a conversation enough, they will eventually earnestly ask you, hey, why do you leave during this time? And then you can say, hey, you have the right to have your opinion, and I have a different way I view that. And I don't need to call you out in front of people, but if you'd like to discuss it in private sometime, I would love to do that. See, that's, that is showing that emotional uh, accountability and responsibility, the willingness to discuss a subject that's challenging, but maybe not in front of all of these other people. And then if that person's truly interested in your view, they will arrange and make time to have that private conversation. But they could be just inviting you into the conversation in a group to just create uh, some drama or a situation. So, so just be aware of that. And uh, we have a response to the first question, which was, where would you say you would like to be more vulnerable in your life? Megan said, I am really being conscious of being open in my communications with, with my family and in people in my immediate life and, le and leaning into the friction or rather the fear of being vulnerable. And we have a question from Anna. Is it possible to experience vulnerability fatigue in relation or thinking about the concept of compassion fatigue? She, uh, she says, I feel like I am spreading myself too thin in a certain family relationship just because I feel a sense of duty. How can I be self-aware enough to know where and how to set boundaries? Oh, thank you so much for chiming in, Anna. Uh, that's another great question. And with the, with the, so when we have a sense of duty or a feeling of, that we really are, are being called to do something, there is a difference between being compassionate and being vulnerable. And being, you know, the vulnerability fatigue, so to say, can happen if we share more of our vulnerability without it being matched from the person or the people hearing it. It's kind of like if you have a plate full of food and you go around and you give it to everybody, you will run out possibly before you even get any food. So it is our responsibility to once again, manage or pay attention to regulating uh, the amount of vulnerability that we do exemplify because it is kind of that, that, uh, giving the amount that the person is giving back because that shows how much they can absorb. And so sometimes when we get caught in to opening up our vulnerability, we can just vomit it out uh, because maybe we've been waiting for so long or we just want to so bad, but it may not be the right time. It may not be the right person. You may have already shared enough and and that's, that's good to just keep a regulation on. So I think there is a, a connection to that, uh, you know, that fatigue that she was talking about. And so to work with that practice to possibly only be as vulnerable as the person that you are talking to is able to match you. And if they're not matching, then they may be uncomfortable already. And the more vulnerability that you share, they can go into judgment because, see, Here's something else to really take to heart. 
if a person can't absorb your vulnerability, then more than likely they're going to judge it. And this is why it's important as we're practicing vulnerability to meet a person where they are. And it can become this beautiful dance back and forth. And it can go on for hours and hours. But if one person isn't ready for that next level of vulnerability, like I said, one person can just be sharing, sharing, and sharing. And when that other person reaches their limit to absorb or to share, then there's likely that they will go into judgment. And so we want to stay out of judgment because that's what keeps people from sharing vulnerability. So the key, I think, is microdosing, sharing the amount of vulnerability that you want to and, you know, set up another time to get together and maybe share a little bit more with that person rather than sharing all you want to in that one moment. Okay, another question. How do you help a child that is 12 years old uh, that is too vulnerable and open to energies? Mm. Well, certainly understanding their human design makeup and the cards would be uh, very, very helpful because that helps to give a, a pinpointed direction of where the child's strengths and you know weaknesses are because that vulnerability uh, may be easier to be understood if it can be seen in a visual and understood from an energetic standpoint because, see, there are areas – once again, when we have in the human design, the white areas or the non-activated, then we're actually energetically pulled. Like, for example, for myself, I don't have the throat chakra activated. So when I get around people with the throat chakra activated, they actually pull words out of me. So it's kind of like I have to have my, my hands on the reins and I have to pull my words back because they're pulling it out. And so that's a specific that if the the energetic makeup was understood of the child then we can pinpoint how to direct them and where it's safe to be more vulnerable in sharing and where it's not and but in a general form of answering that question is through example children's children follow the example of who they're around the most so possibly that child being in a conversation to where the mother or the father shares some vulnerability and then they discuss with the child afterwards, hey, I really wanted to share more in this situation, but I didn't feel like it was the right time or I didn't feel like it was the right person. So I just shared just a little bit. And then next time when we get together, maybe I'll share a little bit more. It actually becomes instructional if the parent is able to include their child in their own experiences. And I can't, I can't say that enough to parents that it's through the example, not the words that you tell the child, but what they see you do over and over and over and over. And so for a child that possibly needs some protection in the vulnerability area, it is the communication of the right time, right person, right place, and right duration to be vulnerable. And I do want to emphasize that getting clear on that child's design can, can go a long way. So we can certainly set up a way for private consultation if that would be useful and desired. I do have some of that information. So if, if it changes anything, you would say um, uh, it's a female, 12 years old, uh, a 4-1 manifesting generator, six of clubs, double okay. six of clubs, Leo. 
And do you know happy, uh, happen I, to know the human design? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. What the? Yes. Well, well, first of all, with this, uh, did you say a double six of clubs? Yes. Yes. So sixes, you know, they get caught into patterns, the most easy of, of all of the, the numerology. So right away, see, whatever this child starts, they're likely to perpetuate and continue to do so they can get caught into patterns. And that's why what is being exemplified around them and included in the conversation is very important. It could break that old pattern and to bring them in for the mother or the father to really share how they're being vulnerable and like how they regulate that vulnerability to, you know, not completely shut down, but I can't say it enough. It's about right time, right place, right person and right duration. And that teaching goes so far with kids just in general that if they say, well, I shared this with Billy and Billy called me names. You know, you could possibly, rather than saying you shouldn't share your personal stuff with Billy, you could just merely say, well, maybe it wasn't the right time. What were you guys doing when you tried to share that? Oh, we were playing and having, you know, a lot of fun. Well, his, his attention may not have been there. So he went into judgment, you know, informing the child that there's a reason that maybe that wasn't received and to pay attention to right time, right place, right person and right duration of talking about the subject, I think could go a long ways. And at 12 years old, they're beginning to develop these, the abilities to be able to understand those levels. But one of the biggest parts is involving them in the communication of both where the parent succeeds in sharing vulnerability and where they fail and giving those examples and then teaching right time, right place, right person, and right duration. I did just want to take a moment for those watching or even watching on the replay who don't know that we do have a podcast because there are some that, you know, this is how they've been introduced to the podcast. So you can listen by going to wise-wise.com or finding us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere where there are podcasts. And we also have a YouTube channel as well. Um, why is it easier for most of us to be vulnerable when we hit extreme lows or rock bottoms or, or our rock bottom, like emotionally in our lives? Mm. And sometimes that's connected to like a death of somebody. Yes, yeah, so this is another great question. And I actually have a show that I've enjoyed um, watching in the past that was based around this. And it was a show called Naked and Afraid. And I don't promote very much television, but the reason that I enjoyed this show is that it is a man and woman going out into the wilderness with no clothes and only one tool. But what it shows for 21 days, but what it shows is that I love the emotional side of it because when the physical body gets broken down enough, when you get hungry enough, when you get tired enough, we can't hold back the emotional baggage. And that's the vulnerability comes out. And so they're vomiting all of these issues out on a complete stranger that they're only met a few days. And so it does show that when we get into these situations, it's, it's the answer to that question is willpower, that we, we were such a willful culture that we can just hold stuff back, hold stuff back until we get exhausted or hungry or in enough pain. And as it was mentioned, this happens many times around death. 
that people become the most vulnerable because they're tired of holding on. And that's kind of exactly what I went through when I lost my life partner, you know, 12 years ago and went through my healing crisis is that I saw, oh, all of this protection is not worth carrying around anymore. It's too heavy. And so when you go through a true trauma in life, it can become that, that you just want to be uh, more open and sharing and not so protective, but it's challenging because people try to be vulnerable and they feel attacked. So, so this is why it is a delicate dance, but that vulnerability does show up during death. And that's when many times people are the most truthful. And it's very unfortunate that it has to wait for many people until that deathbed scenario. And a lot of forgiveness happens like right at the end of, of lives. But understand that we can decide that a relationship is finished its course at any time and develop a new relationship. This is what death brings. It brings that, that opportunity that a person says, oh, if they would only live, then I would let go of all that stuff and I would approach the relationship in a different way. And I'm pleading to people to please don't wait for the physical death to initiate that, that you can, you can experience the death of a type of relationship at any time. You can let that go and go, you know what? I'm tired of holding on to that judgment. I'm tired of being upset that they judged me because of that. And I'm going to welcome them on in back in because nurturing these relationships, people and being willing to accept somebody's truth at a certain time, accept that you are different and you see yourself as different and that you're willing to show that example is part of all of this forgiveness path. And it does nothing but truly, truly serve our overall well-being to look at, you don't have to look at the death of the person. You can look at just the death of the type of relationship that you have and that you can reform the relationship and go in a completely different way. And I suggest this to people all the time. Just please allow that relationship that you had with that person to die. Now develop a new type of relationship because sometimes people will share some vulnerability and get attacked and then they'll just write that person off. But that could have been a situation of where that person was that day or that subject. And you've just lost a real friendship over an isolated situation. So be willing to let death be something of beauty. Let death be something of, of rebirthing and that we can look at the relationship, the type of relationship as being the death rather than the person or the relationship. And we can make those adjustments within our own knowing and then communicate it as best as we can. Because again, being the example is the best instructor. And if you want the relationship to change, then change it. You don't have to always lose it to change it. And right now, I think it's too easy for people to just write other people off. And that's part of the vulnerability is practicing vulnerability. Forgiveness is a big part of, of vulnerability. And I think that more and more people will begin to understand the true power of forgiveness is being willing to just set a new direction and a new example. And many times when we show somebody that, hey, I'll take that blow and I won't judge you for it. See, that's an example of being non-judgmental. 
And when we want somebody to be non-judgmental, we need to show them how that is exemplified. And that happens through not reacting emotionally, being clear in who you are, standing in your power, and being willing to take that judgment and not react back. That's what's going to teach that other person a certain level of vulnerability through example. Yeah, and you got me into watching Naked and Afraid. There was actually an episode where this guy was on the show. He had lost, I think, his son. Oh, uh, yes. And he had pushed it so far down that while he was there experiencing all of this, this nakedness and uh, struggle, it all came back up and he, yes. he just lost it. He had to emotionally react and he was crying and he released it. And if I'm not mistaken, his partner tapped out early and he was left alone. And that was the power of it is that two years earlier, he had lost his like three-year-old son. And, you know, you could see that he just hadn't processed it. He hadn't gone through it. And many people get busy when a major event happens in their life. And in this situation, it could have been possibly the first time that he had been alone for any period of time. And when you're alone, you're you're forced to to see yourself and that's the beauty of of that particular show is that uh how alone people are even when you have another person there that's a stranger that you may not may or may not be able to communicate with that there that aloneness is something that can be very healing for people and in this situation you're not only alone but you're, you're cold or you're hot and you're dealing with the elements and you're very, very hungry and you're exhausted from just trying to survive. So when you take all that away, it does truly show people moving through their emotions and their demons. And that's what is, is truly beautiful to watch. Once again, it's that perseverance, that perseverance of holding on to that light in the darkest of times and knowing and accepting that it doesn't have to always be okay. It doesn't have to always be positive. That this is the plane of polarity and that we are to visit those so-called dark nights of the soul. But our knowing and our stake in the ground can know that we can rise above it. That we've pulled through uh, more challenging times in the past. And to revisit those times of success, not just the struggle. <laughs> and see, people will talk about the struggle that they've had in their past, but very rarely do I find that people talk about the success of overcoming it and how they did. And that's the stories that I feel like will help people become more and more vulnerable is the success of, yes, I was in this darkness and these were the steps that I took to come out. And now I work to not judge anybody when I come across them that's in this darkness because I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, and, and this is something that I wanted to bring up earlier, but it kind of got washed away through other questions, is when other people are vulnerable or when you're vulnerable with somebody else, they then understand, it's like you shared a piece of yourself with them. And so they're not going to treat you as like just this other person. Like you had, you created this bond. And so if it's like you shared, uh, you know, some trauma that you had with them through a story then they know that you're sensitive and they're going to go out of their way to make sure that, you know, they don't stomp on that part of you. And it's like, you just create this bond just by opening up and being vulnerable with most people. You know, we can't say with everybody, but with most people. Sure. Sure. And that's part of, you know, of that dance of developing that with somebody. And that's why it's, it is useful to kind of go at baby steps 
And like I said, pay attention to how vulnerable the other person is being and that you're not keeping score. It's not a tit for tat keeping score type of situation is that you're being considerate and you're sharing to a level that the person is comfortable because most people will in a conversation, they will talk about things they're most comfortable about. Every now and then people will push their limits, but if they're not responding or they're not sharing and you're just continuing to, to reveal more and more vulnerable stuff, like I said, that's when they can shift and go into judgment because many times people will feel uh, a need to match that depth and if see if they don't want to, then that's when they will go into some kind of judgment. They will point something out that can be hurtful and then shut that down, that person down from being vulnerable. So, so both we want to, in the art of vulnerability, we want to exemplify that, that slow dance of both sharing and receiving and making sure as you're receiving from somebody being vulnerable, how quickly you go into judgment. This is another big key that as people are sharing with you, every time you go into judgment, be willing to sit with that and, and realize that the practice is on both sides, that you want to practice not being affected by other people's judgments. But one of the more important practices is you want to practice catching yourself, judge people when they're being vulnerable and to redirect that energy from judgment into acceptance. And once again, acceptance does not mean approval. Acceptance is the very first step to well-being, but it does not mean condoning or approval. But accepting where somebody is at is what many of us is looking for. So do the practice on both sides. And that side of checking yourself when you do catch yourself being judgmental when somebody else is sharing is a great, great practice. And it's directly connected energetically to how much or how often somebody is going to judge you when you're sharing. It goes both ways. And this actually reminds me of a story that I shared on a podcast a while back, which applies to social media where I was like battling a dude in a, in a Facebook group. And I was like enjoying triggering him through gifts. Mm -hmm. And then the, I, I could feel the energy. It was just a gross energy. And cause he was like responding back negatively. And, and I felt like I was at like a neutral place cause I, but I was enjoying doing it. And I, I took a break, I took a shower. And while I was in the shower, I was like, this doesn't feel good. I think I need to like apologize. So I went back, I apologized. I told him I, you know, I, I really didn't want to do this. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I broke up the energy by apologizing and saying, Hey, you know, I, I value your opinion. I'm sorry I did this. And it just totally cleared the energy out. And we were, he was like, Hey man, no problem. I know everybody has a bad day. It's just like instantly you could see the other person as a human. And right. I think there's too many things out there, too many identity groups, you know, too many labels that we, it's so easy to place this person as a label and not see them as a, as a person who has emotions, who has their own trauma, who has their own stories, their own experiences. And this, you know, just opening up and just like, in this instance, I said, I was sorry because I felt like, you know, I had purposely pushed his buttons and, right, and I, created that so, energy. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you shared that story because you know, the term I'm sorry, many people have an issue with that. And it's a term that I don't care to use in my vocabulary very much. 
so something, a suggestion that I would like to share with people that may resonate with this, and there's certainly nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry, but that, that, that phrase, it actually means something. And when you break that down, it can be uh, uh, detrimental from an energetic and verbal standpoint. So what I would like to suggest is possibly saying something like, I feel as though I have misrepresented myself. I feel as though I have misrepresented myself and in my playfulness, maybe I took it a little bit too far. So, so that has a way to get the same message across without using those words. I am sorry. And, and it also shows once again, that fourth pillar that we just keep bringing up in this episode of the emotional accountability and responsibility that you're recognizing that, Hey, it was playful. I was having fun. I was actually enjoying those jabs and now getting away, I go, but I don't want to be that person that jabs anymore. So let me go back and say, hey, I slipped into some of my old stuff, my old patterns there. And I feel like I've misrepresented myself. That's not really what I'm about. But, you know, and you certainly did it in a beautiful way and it had a great outcome. I just wanted to give that gift to people uh, that it can really, once again, buffer the language and expedite uh, the, the healing of that situation. Yeah. And of course I agree. Um, if somebody says, I'm sorry, I'd rather have them say that they realize that they did something that they don't want to do and that they're learning from the experience. Right? Yes. And Is that's that how you look at it too. Yes, absolutely. When I was raising my, my boys, that was the thing that I never taught them to use that phrase. What I asked them to do was don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution and we can refine the solution. So when somebody has done so-called what they view as wrong to come with me to acknowledge it, you don't have to be sorry about it, but just to say, Hey, this come across the wrong way. This is what I really meant. Or I did this, but this was what I was meaning to happen. And this is what I'm doing to correct it. So like you were saying, to it's much more useful to me for somebody to tell me what they are doing to counteract what they just did rather than just saying I'm sorry and with me I happened to carry I uh, was in a band with a gentleman for three years that that was like a mantra for him he probably said those words 20 times a day but what it meant was he was just going to do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so this we've, I've talked about this on, I think one of my private videos of the different types of relationships, some relationships are preventative. So we work on things before they happen. And then some people are more so-called what I call accepting. And I'm sorry, people that, that are willing to be able to say something or do something and then feel like they should be able to say, I'm sorry, and it be forgiven. And those are just two different approaches in relationships. And many times one of each come together because opposites attract. And that's where communication can be, can be very challenging. But, uh, but this has been a, a great podcast of many interesting uh, points. And I do feel like we've, we've covered a, a pretty good area of this vulnerability issue. But it's an ongoing uh, – vulnerability is as deep as the subject of love. And, and so we're not going to cover everything, you know, in a podcast or a live Q and a here, but I do feel like we have touched on some, you know, some important points anyway. In closing, do you have any like sort of 
uh, tips for people to begin practice practicing being vulnerable uh, if it's you know maybe a, a new subject for them? Well, one thing that I would like to suggest is, um, and it may sound a little strange first coming across, but to start in the physical when you're alone and the vulnerability of being naked, the, the way that we come into this life. And so I'm not talking exhibition in any way. I'm talking privacy and to possibly feel like what it feels like to just lie on your bed with arms and legs spread open and loving your body that you have in this lifetime, no matter the size, no matter the skin color, not judging whether you have a good enough tan, because it's not about how you look. It's about truly just feeling being in this human body and possibly taking time to go through each area of your body and just tense it and then relax it, tense it and relax it and go through the whole body and just feel what it feels like to just lie naked in your bed or somewhere private and be okay with exactly who you are. Not about what you're doing, not about what you're saying, not about what you look like, not about any of the senses, but just being, just being and being okay with that. And I can already feel it on a mass consciousness level that most people that will try this will start crying. There will be an emotional release at this very first step of vulnerability. So see, many times when people think of vulnerability, they go right to emotional vulnerability and pay attention to those five different levels. And many times most of us judge ourselves the most around this physical entity that we inhabit. And so that's the very first step, I think, is just being able to, to lie in bed with no visual and just, just be and experience that. And then to be kind to yourself every time you see yourself in the mirror. If you walk by a mirror to say, I love you, to, to that being, to yourself. So I would like to suggest the first step of vulnerability is with the self and to learn to, as you judge, to simply rather than judge and say, oh, I'm too fat or I'm too wrinkly. Instead of saying something like that, go, you know what? I'd really like to put some energy into watching more of what I eat, not beating yourself up over it, but giving yourself incentive of, and if you don't that day for that to be okay. <laughs> See, the, the worst is when people beat themselves up. Guilt, once again, is possibly the most dangerous of the emotions. And so learning to be vulnerable with yourself, because like I said earlier, the more you know who you are, what you're about, and what you're here to exemplify, the more kind of prepared you are to go out into the world and to practice that vulnerability. But let's start with ourselves and start with how we judge ourselves, how we look at ourselves, how we think about ourselves, and give ourselves a break right off of the bat. It's okay to want to have incentive to do better, but keep the energy in that direction of today, right now, I'm going to do something to help myself feel better. And maybe I just picked up a piece of chocolate that I was going to eat, and I just decided to set that down and say, hey, just for today, I'm not going to eat that 
sweet chocolate, that milk chocolate. Next time I go to somewhere, I'm going to get some, some cacao, some, some real chocolate that's, you know, dark and, and get the benefits of the chocolate without the sugar. So, so see, these adjustments is what I want people to really hear, that vulnerability is part of adjusting and stopping beating ourselves up for the failures and look for ways to change that perception into incentive. Excellent, excellent point. Uh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> so I love those moments because it's probably not what everybody out there, <laughs> what they thought you were going to say. So I'm glad that I asked that question and that we got that in at the end. Um, I do want to, again, tell everybody that we are going to be inviting people onto the podcast to share, um, you know, their experience and their journeys and want to let people know that it won't be live. So, you know, there is that buffer. So, so people can allow themselves to be vulnerable, but not too vulnerable, you know, with the camera in their face. So, um, it, yeah, it won't be anything that has to do with the camera. So if you're interested in sharing your journey, your perspective um, on the podcast, please hit me, myself, or Alexander up. Again, you can just contact me on Facebook or Aaron at wise-wise.com. We have so many ways that you can contact nice. us. And we, and we will be doing it um, virtually as well, so you won't have to travel anywhere. And we will be doing it through the Zoom uh, platform here. And as we were saying, there can be a, a surname used if you don't want your real name used. There's no problem. We will have certain questions to ask, and we're just really excited to hear how people have been utilizing the podcast, the Just Philosophy, and how it has possibly changed uh, your life in certain areas. And these are stories we're looking to help inspire. Of course, Aaron and myself have shared our own stories, and now we're excited to bring uh, people alone that's been working with this philosophy for quite a while and maybe some new newbies as well um, because all of this input you never know how your story may inspire and completely change someone else's life they may have heard me say it of how to do it but when you actually hear how somebody has applied it into their life you just never know how how much your story can truly inspire. And I work with people almost every day that feel like they have nothing to offer. And let me tell you, a real life story almost always has something to offer to someone. And, uh, and so this is another practice in being vulnerable for all you people out there in, in sharing uh, maybe some trials and tribulations and how you've utilized the just philosophy to to maybe bring you out of that. So looking forward, very forward to that and getting started on that in the next uh, week or so. And we will let you know when our next live Q and a is as soon as we know. And uh, do you have any last? No, I just want to thank everybody. I'm wrapping up my birth year. Um, I have my two beautiful sons coming in from Hawaii and going to enjoy some time together and um, we celebrate our birthdays together. Mine is on the 27th of August and theirs on the 30th. So really looking forward and sending, we'll be sending out those vibes because um, when we get together, it's, it's, it's truly magical. So I'm very grateful to everybody. Thank you all for your wonderful donations, um, for all of your sharing with your friends and your family. So any way that you can energetically or monetarily 
support and help out, just know that it is very, very appreciated. And we, every day we get comments from people of how the podcast assists them, whether they can't afford private sessions or anything like that. So just know that any of you that can give, it does help people that, that can't afford it in these times. And we're so honored and happy to be able to, to share this information. And we do feel that information should be available to everyone. Yes. So again, thank you from me as well. And yeah, the, the support um, in the last month or two has been awesome. Like I said, after our last Q&A two weeks ago, we saw the quadrupling of our downloads. So again, whoever has shared it, thank you very much. Um, and just, just keep doing that. Don't forget to rate and review us. And also, if you have Spotify and you have YouTube, subscribing to our channel, even if you're not going to listen to it on there, it does help us get uh, YouTube to then show it to other people and Spotify to then show it to other people by, you know, the more uh, people we have um, subscribing and then listening and stuff like that. So again, do appreciate all of you, um, you know, providing us support energetically in those avenues. Yes. And anyone looking for a private session, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, whether this is communication and relationship that you have or with yourself and your life purpose or with your children and how to manage them during these times of isolation has been very challenging for people. And that's one of my favorite things to do is help people to learn to communicate with their loved ones. And this has helped out so much through the human design and destiny card system and a consultation. The more we understand how we uh, relate in this world, it helps us to be able to relate with others at a much deeper level. So, so don't hesitate to reach out much love to everybody and keep those kind vibes going. And you get a lot of happy birthdays. So in advance, uh, <laughs> very much well thank you i always look forward after these sessions i get to go back and look at all the comments and read them so do know that i look at those i can't see them while the this q a is going on but uh but your comments and your appreciation is always well received so so please even if you don't have a question for the the q a uh giving a shout out is always appreciated so much love to everyone out there and thank you so much for taking time to to listen to this verbiage Thank you all very much. Blessings.